0: It's great to be back with you all. I always love being with you all, and uh, so I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Uh, here's what I want you to do: at the end of each of the rows, either this this seat on the row or the end, you should see a cup of corn kernels. And here's what I'd like for you to do: I'd like for each person to take five corn kernels and then just pass it down. Okay? And here's the deal: don't eat them. Okay? It's amazing. I actually have to say this because uh, I, I handed them out and. Uh, uh, when I taught on this uh, several years ago, and, uh, and I said, okay, take your kernels out. And, and people looked at me like, I already ate them. I'm like, you did what? I said, they're not even popped. They're like, oh, I was just hungry. I'm like, really? You were hungry and you ate those. So please don't eat them, but I just want you to hold them in your hands as you pass them, uh, pass them down the row. And then we're going to get to that. Uh, we're going to use them uh, a little bit later in the teaching. But I want to start with a couple questions. And the first one is this. How many of your friends and family would accuse you of having a grateful spirit? How many people would say yes, they have a presence and an attitude that is marked by pervasive gratitude. Well, as you think about that, I want to talk this morning about lepers, <laughs> not leopards the animal, but lepers those that unfortunately have contracted a terrible skin disease. I'm not sure how much you know about leprosy, um, but it's it's a terrible skin condition where you're unable to feel pain. Now, initially you may think, that's awesome. I'd love to not feel pain. But if you talk with lepers, they'll tell you that they more than anything crave to experience pain. Because what happens is they're in the kitchen and they smell this putrid smell of burning flesh, only to realize for the last 45 seconds, oh, their hand has been on the stove, and they didn't know it. And so what happens is that over a period of time, you'd get a cut or an infection or something would happen, and you wouldn't feel the pain, and therefore your fingers, your digits would fall off, uh, your, your toes would fall off, your ankles, your feet would fall off, and even your nose would actually just be flat. Um, I I know it's a little bit gruesome to look at some of these pictures, but it's important for us to understand that leprosy exists today. It impacts the whites of your eyes as well. We don't have leprosy here in America, but it is prevalent in certain parts of the world like India. In college, I was uh, on a month-long mission trip to to India to a a town called Madras, a large city called Madras, and for a day we went to Hyderabad, and in Hyderabad, uh, there's an entire uh, leprosy hospital there. Now, again, there's caste systems, and so there's lots of layers of this in India. Um, But we had an afternoon free and they said, do whatever you want. And there was a large mountain and I love hiking. And they said, if anybody wants to hike the mountain, you can do that. And so I hiked the mountain. And when I got down, I was just kind of looking around Hyderabad, this huge city. And I just felt as I'm as I'm there, I just felt this tug on my pants. And uh, and I looked down and there was a woman who had leprosy. um, And she was tugging with just kind of the nubs of her hands, no nose, the whites of her eyes. And uh, I'd never been around leprosy. I've never seen someone with leprosy. This is my first experience. And my first thought, which was somewhat selfish, but I I couldn't stop it, was like, am I going to contract leprosy now? She has touched me. Uh, Again, not knowing anything um, about this, that we've got medicine, and it's not contagious of skin touch and things like that. I didn't know this as a college student. I'd never been around it. But horrified uh, to see what was a human that didn't look human, but who had touched me, and she was begging and asking for money and and I, I did not respond well. I, I should have responded much better, but um, I, I think now of my friend, who I can't even mention his name, I, I think you all podcast. Uh, he's a partner uh, of ours, and he's asked us um, when we in our home church when we talk about him, we can't use his name because radical Hindus um, they actually listen uh, we have found out they listen to our podcast because we know we partner with him. And cannot say his name because these radical Hindus uh, desire to have evidence against him. But a friend of ours in India works specifically with lepers, and uh, just the amount of stories, the gruesome elements that exist. That even though we, when we stub our toe or hit our finger and say, "Ah, why do I have to feel pain?" That it's actually a gift. It's actually a gift. But uh, leprosy, when we talk about leprosy as we see it in Scripture, it isn't always leprosy like what we see in India. Most of the time it is, but it also included other sorts of skin diseases. Uh, I'll give you an example. My dad has something called vitiligo, uh, and I know I've met some others that have vitiligo. And it's, uh, it's the pigmentation of certain parts of your skin Uh, Just don't carry the same color. And so, my dad is 17 and a half years old. He is uh, pulled into um, the town where he will go to college the next day. They sleep in a hotel, and then it's move in day the next day. So, he wakes up in the morning. He's got brown hair. He wakes up in the morning, looks in the mirror, and he has one brown eyebrow and one now completely white eyebrow. I mean, the day before leaving for school, right? You're going to meet all these new friends. You want to make a good impression. And it just freaked him out. And what had happened is vitiligo in the middle of the night, for whatever reason, struck him before going to college the next day. And he had one brown and one completely white, ghost white eyebrow. And so he went to the doctor and he said, what's wrong? What do I have? And he said, actually, um, it's not going to spread. It doesn't hurt. It just turned your eyebrow white. And he said, so what should I do? He said, go to the cosmetics department and just buy a pencil, and you just need to color in every morning your eyebrow. (laughs) And so for the last, you know, 50 years of my dad's life, he gets up every morning, and he colors his eyebrow. Now that he's getting older and gray and white, he's actually having to do it a lot less. (laughs) But if in the time of Scripture, my dad had vitiligo, he would be treated like a leper as well. So what's the big deal with skin disease? Well, we're going to look at this. Leviticus 13 gives really careful instruction to those who have leprosy or some sort of skin disease to go to the priest to be examined. And the priest, of course, was a spiritual leader, but also kind of a hygiene specialist. Here's what it says in Leviticus 13. It says, Anyone with such a defiling disease, leprosy or skin disease, must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. And as long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. As if having a disease wasn't bad enough, lepers had to live in isolation. Excluded from people, even people that they loved, they had to go into what's called a leper colony. Those exist today. Uh, in India, terrible conditions in these leprosy colonies, living outside of the camp, lonely, isolated, scorn, cut off from the people that you love, and you would never be touched. Now, consider how many people have touched you or you have touched them in the past week. Family members, handshakes with coworkers, high fives with teammates, a hug from a friend, a checkup at the doctor, um, even a cashier handing you money when you checked out at the store. Imagine going without being touched. A few years ago, remember the H1N1 virus, the swine flu? I actually ended up getting swine flu, and it was awful for about 10 days. I, mean, I just felt terrible. It's like a flu on steroids is what it felt like. Um, but the worst part about it is I had to be quarantined. We had small children at the time, and the doctor said, if kids get if swine flu, it's even worse. So uh, my family slept downstairs. They would bring me food by the door. The only time I left my room for 10 days was to go to the bathroom. And the hardest part actually wasn't the flu. It was not being touched. It was being in isolation, of being so bored out of my mind. Um, And I thought, man, if I'm a leper, this is what I feel every day of my life. Completely cut off relationally. If by some hopeful but slim chance you believed after looking at yourself in the mirror, I don't think I have leprosy anymore. I think this skin disease may be clear. Then guess what? You had some hope. You couldn't just go back to your family. As Leviticus said, you had to go back to the priest. The priest, again, the spiritual authority of your village, also the German inspector. This is what it says in Leviticus 14, very clearly about what to do with the skin disease. The Lord said to Moses, these are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing when they are brought to the priest. The priest is to go outside of the camp and to examine them. If they have been healed of their defiling disease, skin disease, the priest shall order that two live, clean birds and some cedar wood... "'scarlet yarn and hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed. "'Then the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. "'He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar wood, "'the scarlet yarn and the hyssop, into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed of the defiling disease, "'and then pronounce them clean.'" After that, he is to release the live birds in the open fields. The person to be cleansed must wash their clothes, shave off all of their hair, and bathe with water. And then they will be ceremonially clean. And after this, they may come into the camp, but they may stay outside their tent for seven days. Now notice the process of being restored into the community, okay? The priest goes outside to the leper colony, number one. Two, there's a detailed sacrifice that needed to be made. Two birds would be brought. One is sacrificed. One is released to recognize freedom. Then their clothes would be washed. They would shave off all of their hair. They would bathe with water. They would stay outside of their home for seven days. And then, and only then, be welcomed back into the community. Now, I figure we can talk about this, but why don't we actually do it? So here's the thing. I want you to pretend that Josh has leprosy, okay? And so, Josh, come on up here. And I'm going to pretend I'm a priest, okay? And so as I'm a priest, Josh comes to me, and he believes that he's got leprosy. So what do we do? Well, an inspection has to happen. I'm going to assume that we're we're not going to sacrifice birds, okay? Like we're not a cult, all right? However, hold this for a second. If he's got leprosy, We need to shave his head. All right? (laughs) So imagine the
1: process.
0: (laughs) If you've got leprosy and you have this hope and this feeling, this possibility that, you know what? I think...
1: (laughs) Claire has okayed this, I promise.
0: But imagine you've got the hope that maybe, just maybe, I can be restored back to community. And so even, even as a priest, I have to be careful because what happens if Josh the leper actually still has leprosy? you
1: got it. Well, he can't have that.
0: I've got to really, I've got to be very careful here, right? But think of what Josh might be feeling of saying, this family that I've been a part of, this community that I have loved, that I have been away from, that I actually may be restored back into community. Now again, there were sacrifices that went before this. He's... He's washed. He's done all this to prepare. Now, I'm, I'm going to be kind to Josh and not shave off his chest hair, or his eyebrows, <laughs> his leg hair. But it says all hair. Not just the head. But all hair. Now, Josh, I will uh, clean this up after the sermon. To make us, uh... But just imagine, this is your process. This is your process of you going from leprosy. Yeah, that's dedication right there. That's, and I could do a much better job in the back. So, uh, so forgive me, forgive me for that. But the point being is this entire process of going through this and Jesus interacts with lepers, right? He visits the home of a leper leper in Matthew 14. He heals one in Matthew 8. Jesus speaks the word of redemption to leprosy and mentions leprosy in Matthew 11. In Mark 1, Jesus tells a leper to keep quiet when he heals him. Let me ask you this. If you've gone through this whole process and Jesus cleanses you and you had leprosy and now you don't, how do you keep that quiet? Because not only am I physically clean, now I'm able to be restored to the community. With that being said, I want us to read a passage in Luke 17. All of what we've done thus far is just setting up this passage. Some of you go, how does this relate to gratitude? I thought we were in a series called Kudos. Hang with me. We'll connect some dots in a second. But if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Luke 17. Luke 17. Luke is a physician. Remember, he's a doctor who's recording these these elements of Jesus, this good news. And so because he's a doctor, what does Luke want to highlight a lot? Miracles of healings, right? That's what geeks doctors out, when people get well. And that's why Luke has so many miracles and healings in them. So here's what it says in Luke 17, starting in verse 11 says now on his way to Jerusalem Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee as he was going into a village 10 men who had leprosy met him they stood at a distance why <laughs> because they're not allowed to get near him and called out in a loud voice Jesus master have pity on us what are they supposed to yell do you remember from Leviticus unclean unclean they did not say that, at least as it's not recorded. Instead, Master, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If you're going to the priest, what are you assuming? What does the next verse say? as they went they were cleansed hmm what are you feeling if you're one of the ten you know you're you're with the ten lepers and he says yep just go to the priest but i look at my hands and i feel my skin and i still have the disease do you go go wait a second i don't want to waste the priest's time I don't want to be embarrassed. But as they went, they were cleansed. There is a faith element that says, I'm going to take Jesus at his word if he tells me to do this. And as I go, the miracle happens. But then it says this one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, of course, the men stood at a distance, like we said. They were not allowed to interact with a spiritual man. But go show yourself to the priests, not being clean yet, but when they were healed physically, they were also now restored to their community. They now get a chance to interact, to touch, to be touched by other people. And is that not the story of the good news of Jesus? You and me in our spiritual leprosy have not only been deformed spiritually, but have been relationally cut off and kicked out of the community separated from God, and not able to interact with him, but must stay from afar, yelling, I'm unclean, God, I'm unclean. We're deadened by the effects of sin, that we don't even feel the pain oftentimes that sin causes uh, for us and when our sin hurts other people. But out of his love for us, Jesus touched us. He healed us, and in the process made himself unclean for us he became a leper to love us as lepers so that we may be healed and whole and his blood was sprinkled not by birds but by him on us and all the while another bird is released to say you're released to freedom now and you are now brought back into the community And we notice, of course, that only one came back. And Jesus asked these rhetorical questions. Is there only one? Where are the other nine? Were not all ten cleansed? Was no one found to return and give thanks to God except for this foreigner? Now remember, Samaritans were considered half-breeds by the Jews. There was just deep resentment between the two. I mean, think of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It would be similar of the animosity between Jews and Samaritans. Honest question, and don't, ans- uh, don't answer too quickly here. Of the ten lepers, which one are you? Are you the one or are you the nine? And are there areas where you need to return to say thanks for what God has done for you that you've taken it for granted? Either out of the spirit of, I deserve that, or so excited and grateful. I'm going to assume the other nine were so grateful because they had been restored to their own community. Wouldn't you want to go party with your family you haven't seen in a long time, too? Now, what are the implications this story has for us? Well, besides Josh, go get your head shaved, right? No, of course not. (laughs) But we, of course, we're now into November, and in just a few short weeks, we'll enter into the Thanksgiving holiday. This is by far my favorite holiday. I love it. Uh, But if you can just imagine a foreigner coming to the U.S. for the first time for Thanksgiving here in a few weeks, never exposed to it, so in just a few short weeks, we will bow our heads around a table with family and friends to be thankful for all we have, and a few short hours later, we will storm out the door to buy more stuff that we don't need because they'll actually believe that what we have is not enough. How ironic, huh? Thank you, we're so thankful, but we don't have enough, so we're going to just, let's hurry up and eat and catch the football game so we can buy more. See, the world's view of gratitude is quite different than God's view. (laughs) Here's how the world says The world's view of gratitude is often this schmaltzy posture dripping with sentimentality. It's seen as polite, right? What do you say? What do you say to the man who gave you candy on Halloween? Thank you, right? Yeah, okay. Now let's go get some more. It's polite, it's a good thing, but it's not often seen as much more. You cannot be grateful unless you are first humble. It is impossible for you to be full of gratitude if you do not embody or possess some level of humility first. Here's the other thing. There is always an object or a person of our gratitude. It's not a nebulous, be grateful in your hearts kind of thing that our world tells us. Just be grateful. It's always directed to someone or something. So let's pause in our hearts and let's remember how grateful. No, no, no. Who are we grateful to? And for what? God's view of gratitude is not simply about being polite or doing the right thing or having a warm feeling of gratitude in our hearts. It's a good start, but that's not it. In God's eyes, gratitude is the way of followers of Jesus. It's about directing our worship and our focus to God, who is our good Father, that we just sang about. In fact, in God's eyes, gratitude is about worship. You cannot come here and worship God without a spirit of humility and gratitude. Do you realize this? The opposite of gratitude is what? Entitlement. That says this I worked hard. I deserve this job. I worked hard this week. I deserve fill in the blank. I worked my tail off for this. You owe me. If we ever have a spirit of you owe me to other people or to God, we do not have gratitude and we do not have humility and we cannot worship God well. that's what the Pharisees struggled with, right? When people are entitled, here's what they do. And the, the Gospels talk about this. It says the Pharisees grumbled. They mumbled. They murmured. They complained. These are all byproducts of a spirit of entitlement, If we have a spirit of entitlement, we cannot ever worship God appropriately. It is impossible. Do you realize that medical research has been done that shows that people who write down just three things every day that they're thankful for are significantly healthier than those who don't? Very interesting. Those that just acknowledge, either verbally or write it in a journal, three things that they're thankful for every day, the health on them jumps up. doesn't matter their age, their ethnicity, what country they're from. If they start their day with a spirit of gratitude, you are healthier. God has wired your bodies even to the point that if you're grateful, you're healthier. Now, as a spiritual practice, uh, you've heard me talk about this. I love to journal. Uh, some of you love to journal. If you don't love to journal, it's okay. Like I said, Jesus didn't journal. You're off the hook. You don't have to. But this is my journal. And every morning, the first thing I do when I come downstairs after starting my coffee is I sit down with my pen, and it's my gratitude journal. Uh, I don't journal. I don't, I don't feel the need, nor I, do I feel like at 6.15 that present to journal profound thoughts for five pages. Here's all I do. I just write down five things. Instead of three, I decided to go a little bit higher than that. Just Five. Feels a little more rounded off, you know. Five things that I'm thankful for. And by the way, it doesn't have to be profound. Simple things. Like, God, thanks for this coffee. I didn't deserve this coffee this morning. It tastes great. Thanks for this well-worn pair of jeans, God. Thanks for sn- that I got to snuggle with my son this morning. Thanks that I... Get to watch the football game this afternoon. Thanks for that conversation with the friend. For Those warm tears I was able to shed in the presence of somebody that I know cares for me. It doesn't have to be ginormous, huge things. In fact, the way that I cultivate a spirit of gratitude is in the smallest of things that I don't take those for granted. God, thanks for this clean glass of water that won't make me sick today. So I want to encourage you to think through, not just because it's a good idea so you can be healthier, that's a good good thing, but that we can cultivate in our lives what it looks like to be worshipers like the one leper that returned rather than the other nine. So we're going to respond here in a few minutes. Rather than just talk about it, we're going to do this because Paul tells us that we are not to offer our gratitude when things just simply go well. When things are awesome, it's easy for us in our culture to go nuts and say, yeah, this is awesome, I'm so thankful. But here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now that word in the original language, all, do you know what it translates to? All, okay? (laughs) It means everything, in every time I'm not perfect at this but I'm getting better at this the times where I'm in situations and it isn't often but I remember about three weeks ago knowing I was going to be teaching on this stubbed my toe so badly like I was just like laying you know one of those like howling on the floor kind of like and I found myself saying it's weird to pray this God but thank you I can feel this because if I stub my toe and didn't, I have a bigger problem. Small situation. But how about when things get bigger? How about that bad report from the doctor? How about that bad report from my son's teacher at school? How about that bad fourth quarter projection? How about that bad fill in the blank? Can we still be grateful rather than entitled? So we, in order to grow as followers of Jesus, we have to have soul training exercises that, we, that can help us live into this story and live into the gospel reality. And so we're going to practice this together. So here's what I'm going to encourage us to do. Uh, we're going we're to pray, and it's going to be just very simple. Um, this is the first of uh, a few things we're going to do. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to pray, um, and I'm going to encourage you to say it out loud. And all we're going to do is finish the sentence. In just a moment, I'm just going to say, God, thank you for, and I just want to give you an opportunity to say it out loud for a moment or two, all right? So I invite you, let's shape the prayers together. And if we say it at the same time, it's okay. God can hear us at the same time. It's not a big deal, all right? So would you bow your heads with me? And... Just finish the sentence and say it out loud. God, thank you for. God, thank you for. God, thank you for. God, thank you for God, thank you for, and maybe for some of us, um, maybe we just need a quiet moment where we confess where we've been entitled, where we felt we deserved something and didn't get it, and maybe it's just simply whispering, Lord, forgive me for my entitled spirit. Well, you also uh, have your five kernels. Hopefully you didn't eat those. (laughs) Um, If you did, uh, I think we have some more at the edge and uh, probably some other food in the back we could give you that is a little (laughs) tastier. But here's what I like for you all to do. Uh, Since I was a kid, as long as I can remember, every Thanksgiving, on the Thanksgiving table with all the dishes and all the food and all the stuffing and the turkey and the mashed potatoes and everything, at the top of our place setting were five kernels of corn. And one of the things we would do is when the meal plates were taken away, before we had dessert, while we were letting our food settle, we would go around the table one at a time all with all of our family. It didn't matter how big our family gathering was around the table that year. And we would say, I'm thankful for, and we would take a corn kernel, and we'd put it in the middle. And then someone else would go. And then we would end up going around five different times. And there's never a dry eye when we're done. It is such a beautiful way, almost like a lowercase l liturgy, (laughs) for our family Thanksgiving meal, that we do that. We're always hugging and wiping tears away. and Even through hard things, we acknowledge those too. And so Thanksgiving's coming up, but I say, why wait till Thanksgiving? (laughs) So here's what I would like for you to do. I'd like for you to take those five in your hand, and I'd like for you, you can do it by yourself, or you can turn to the person next to you, whether you know them or not, and you can just share, here are my five, and just maybe put them, you know, on the seat next to you or on another part of your hand, and so just take, I don't know, 60 seconds or so to acknowledge what five things, and we probably could give you 50 things, but what are five things that you're thankful for, and just Verbalize those. Say that out loud. Even if by yourself, you can say it out loud. So there can be some murmuring and talking going on for the next minute or two. Okay? Ready? Go. So I know we could keep going the rest of the afternoon because we really are blessed people. But now we're not just simply going to talk about it, we need to return to make sure we're not one of the nine that just kind of went and did other things. We want to be the one that actually returns to say thanks to the source. So in just a minute, this is how we're going to end. Normally the band comes up, but um, I want to play a song that's been meaningful for me, a worship song that's simply just called Thank You, which is just responding to God for who He is. And here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to take your corn kernels, And when you're ready, I want you to just bring them up front. And in in a prayerful response, I just want you to lay it across the top step here. Almost like an altar of gratitude right here. And so I just, you could do it right away. You could wait to the end of the song. We won't rush you. You won't run out of time. But in this spirit, maybe you wait and maybe you sing some of the song. It's a real simple song and you can kind of catch on very quickly. But maybe you want to come by yourself. Maybe you want to come with your family or a friend or a spouse or someone in your small group. But we want to prayerfully come. And if you want to kneel down here, if you want to pause, if you want to pray, you're more than welcome to do this. But more than just acknowledging with each other, we need to return to say, thank you, God. We have been lepers, and you have cleansed us. You became unclean so we could become clean. And you sacrificed your blood, not a bird, but you because you love this. And in that spirit of gratitude, as we watch this video, we want you to come, and then after that, I will send us out with a benediction. And so respond to God as you feel appropriate.
1: salvation
0: You know, it just hit me. The visual up here is pretty amazing. We've got shaved hair and corn kernels. Your life and mine should be a life where the floor is covered in our hair and covered in corn kernels. That you've been cleansed. That the priest has come and said, yup, You're clean. But also, where we've returned and said, God, thank you. I did not deserve that, but you did it anyway. So, here's my encouragement to you all. Uh, Maybe this coming Thanksgiving, you want to start a new tradition. When I've taught on this before, people years later have said to me, You know, we do that now every year. It's so meaningful at Thanksgiving. So, maybe you share that. Maybe you do that. Here's the other thing I want to encourage you with. There's a whole bunch of extra corn kernels. Maybe when you leave, maybe you need to take an extra handful and you need to shove it in your purse or your pocket and just carry it with you. And maybe when you thrust your hand into your pocket and you feel that corn kernel, you say, what am I thankful for right now I need to return and say thanks to? Because here's the thing. I don't know if you can see this down here. This is awesome to see all this corn. But really, this should be our lives all the time. And we should just be pouring out corn kernels to return to say thanks to the God who loves us and shaved our heads and cleansed us when we didn't deserve it. So, with that being said, would you stand as we close with the benediction? And so, would you look at me and receive the benediction as we go? Brothers and sisters of Generation Church, go. And as you go, may your whole life be a representation of hair on the floor and kernels all over the place. May you live into that. May you be those kinds of people. And may you hear from God, I love you. I forgive you. I rescued you because I loved you. And may that spur you on to be even more grateful than you've even been before. Because worship can only happen when we're grateful. May we be the kinds of people that, even though we live in a culture of entitlement, would not live into that spirit. Would never say, I deserve this. I earned that. But instead would have a humble spirit that says, Lord, I didn't deserve that you've been so good to me. May you live into that this week. And may the world around you say, you live by a different metric than the culture we live in. And may that gratitude be the shining light and the hope that people see in you. God bless and bless God. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.